Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Hey, welcome everyone to another week of Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. I'm Charlie. And of course, I'm Eva. That's good. <laughs> um, hope everybody had a great holiday, as did both of us, I assume. We did. We ate a lot. And yeah. We ate a lot of turkey. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, so just to put it out there, we're thankful. We're always thankful, yeah. Right. Um, we may not always show it, but we're always thankful. <laughs> um, so, the mission of our show is to collaborate mm. and make a difference even as one person. Yes. Right. And, you know, I want to be clear, right? So we, we have a lot of fantastic guests and today is no exception, right? Um, and they're usually subject matter experts in say marketing or things like that. Right. But, and that's fine. And we love them. Our show is not about making money. It's about making a difference. There's a difference. Yeah, and we understand that you need to make money too, but it is about how to make a difference, how to put some passion back into your life and into your work. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we've learned over the last few years to try to leave things like religion and politics off to the side because um, it really doesn't fit, and it doesn't certainly doesn't fit in the workplace, and it gets in the way. It can, yes. Right? Um, there's a lot of – it's too easy to be slinging sarcastic comments these days. It is, and it's not like we can't. It's not like we can't. <laughs> yes, we can. We can sling with the best of them. We have slung with the best of them, but it's time to pull back a little bit and see about how to make a difference right where you're at. Exactly. And, you know, that's the CARE model, and we're really proud of that. Um, the CARE acronym is Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. It's a win-win. Mm -hmm. So if my success impacts you, I need a new strategy because it's not right. It's not CARE, right? And that's the model. So we don't want to be tough guys because that's too easy also. Well, the other thing is, too, is that if your success or someone else's success impacts another person, you also have to look at why it's impacting that other person. Maybe that other person needs to step up a little bit. There's that, too. Right. Okay. So, yeah, you got to be smart, mm -hmm. right? Um, so with taking away the politicians and such, it leaves just us regular guys um, to help each other. Right. Right. Um, I know for me, um, when I'm inspired, I perform better. I get pumped when I, when I watch a game and somebody does something exciting, it charges me. 
I need that, you know, emotional charge for me to perform. Um, and I think it came from when I was a kid and I was always inspired by my guy, right? Um, Muhammad Ali, because he showed me that I too can be the greatest. That's my takeaway from him. Okay. So in my own way, um, he showed me how I, sh- I should inspire myself to inspire others. That's good. And see, women didn't have those kind of role models. I mean, right. we had a few, but we didn't have as many. So, um, but we're working on it. And that's what I do. I try to inspire myself and then take that into the classroom and inspire others at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I hope and we're going to introduce our guest in a second. I hope he's listening because he's inspired me to say this. Right. And I'm really proud of what I do. And both of us, um, Eva, are really good at what we do. So uh, I just wanted to say that, too. Right. No, it's true. It's Our, true. And I'm looking forward to speaking with our guest today because it's an exciting, it's going to be an exciting show with a really inspirational topic and story. Exactly. I just want to add one more comment. Like I always say every week, our companies need us now more than ever. Mm-hmm. And it's on us to inspire everyone to make sure they bring their A game. Right? Yep. Okay. Excellent. So, I, you know, I'm all pumped. Uh, I would like to introduce a very special guest that we met. We're always proud that we can meet our guests, right? Um, but this guy, hey, yeah, yeah, you talk about going from ordinary to extraordinary. Anyway, um, I'd like to introduce our very special guest, Dr. Tommy Watson. Are you with us? I am here, Charlie Neva. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> hey, oh, I'm so excited to have yeah, you, Dr. Watson. Sorry, I get a little, you know, I get a little um, fan-like because right, I'm such a fan. Right, and then you get a little all over the place. And I go all over the place. <laughs> but it's because of you, all right? Come back hey, down. Get off the ceiling. That makes you feel good. Back. Thank you very much. Uh, no, yeah, I'm serious, you know, and uh, we met a while back at um, at the summit in New York. And I'm not sure if you know this, but... You know, just your presence, I don't know, I felt something. I actually felt something like, whoa, this guy's good, you know? Yeah. And um, it's really cool to be able to uh, have a presence just in your demeanor. Well, because you can always tell authenticity. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's just it was just so different from everyone else. Um, so I know that you're special, and I'm really grateful that you stopped by our booth, met Eva and myself, and, and now we're here talking. So we're really happy. I really so appreciate that. I really appreciate it. And those are some great words for me to hear on this, this dark and cloudy day here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So you, you have actually got me pumped up and, and fired up and ready to go. So thank nice. you for having me. <laughs> so, okay, so great. So, so Dr. Watson, um, let's start by maybe share your website and maybe contact information for our listeners, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. My website where I can be contacted is www.tawatson.com, and um, I can certainly be reached through uh, my social media pages are also on there as well. 
But you can, again, you can go to www.tawatson.com. That's the best way to contact me, and all my contact and uh, telephone number information is there as well. Excellent, because um, as we go through the show and then as we share the link throughout the week, um, you know, I'm trying to make sure the listeners and the public get that same feel, even though it'll just be electronically, so that they contact you. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, well, where would you like to start? First, um, I see this book, The Resilience of Champions, and um, that word resilience is a really powerful word. Well, because yeah, Dr. Watson has a really powerful story. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, yes. And uh, this book is available on your website? Yes, sir. your website? Yes. Uh, that one, along with my, my uh, biography, um, A Face of Courage, is, they're, they're both there. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, um, okay. So why don't you share basically, uh, your story? Because I'm sure everyone is saying, what the heck is this guy talking about by now, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Who is this guy? Who is this guy that brought out here? Yeah. I want to thank you, Charlie and uh, Eva, for bringing me on. You know, when that, um, that, that theme of the resiliency is something that I had to adopt at a very early age, unfortunately, uh, due to growing up with parents who were drug addicts, heroin addicts more specifically, and also professional shoplifters. And, um, you know, my mother was arrested not one time, not even three times, but 11 times during the first year I was born um, oh. while my father sat in prison. So that meant, you know, a lot of bouncing around from place to place and now to foster homes even as an infant um, during the first year I was born. Um, by the time I was in third grade, I lived in numerous foster homes crisis centers, motel rooms, lived with my grandmother several times, spent a lot of different times living with different friends, what have you. I went to numerous schools, had teachers who didn't believe in me at the time, a learning disability that I didn't know anything about. And in third grade, I just came out of a situation where we come out of a foster home where I surprisingly met my oldest brother by pure coincidence while being in that foster home. My two older sisters had remembered him from um, back when we were younger, and we just so happened to run across him in the foster home as he was visiting with his um, adoptive mother. So mind-blowing experience. By the time I'm in third grade now, my only goal was to join the local gang. My aunt, who I was living with, was pretty smart and said, you know, how we're going to get you involved in sports, and sports literally saved my life. Uh, many things I was looking for in the world of gangs, I received from playing sports, you know, a sense of belonging, a connection to a great male mentor coach, and then had a chance to connect with other kids who had similar goals of going to the NBA and the NFL. Um, so got involved in sports. By my seventh grade year of school, Charlie and Eva, we found ourselves getting kicked out of our house in front of all my friends. Beautiful sunny day in the city of Denver. Uh, mind-blowing experience to get all your stuff thrown out in the front yard in front of all your friends and not being able to rescue any of it because there was no place to put it. From there, my family of nine of us moved into a 10-by-16 motel room our seventh motel room where we stayed my entire three year of school. And again, that, during that time, I kept involved in sports. And my involvement in sports landed me a scholarship to go to a private suburban Denver high school that actually wasn't far from Columbine High School in the suburbs. Of course, my mother and father were initially against me going to this high school. Um, however, they ended up going back to prison in my three year of school and uh, moved with my other grandmother who came out of retirement to take care of us and moved us into the heart of the inner cities, which was being referred to as a little Compton at the time, 
And my grandmother was her wish that I go out to the high school and do well. So each morning I took three city buses starting at 6.30 a.m. to get to my high school every day. And then we'd do the same thing on the way back home after sports was over with. I'd get back home anywhere between 8 and 10 o'clock at night. Did that for a couple of years. By my 11th grade year of school, my grandmother had developed Alzheimer's disease and had to be placed into a nursing home. In the meantime, my mother is now on her way out of prison, uh, no longer doing drugs, no longer involved in illegal activity. However, she could not find employment. So she turned to selling drugs to take care of us. And in the, senior, in the middle of my senior year of high school, I received a daunting call at school, and my mother was just busted for selling drugs and was on her way back to prison again. I eventually found myself home, was kicked out of the house, and had nowhere to go. A friend of the family ended up, ended up letting me sleep on this floor for the remainder of my senior year of high school. I struggled to graduate from high school, went on um, to sign. And in the meantime, I'm being recruited as one of the top football players in the nation while being homeless. None of the coaches didn't know my situation at the time. And I eventually signed to go play football for the University of Minnesota. Uh, left Denver, Colorado on a Greyhound bus. Arrived at the University of Minnesota. They had never had an athlete come there in my circumstances. I got there. My mother was in prison. My father was in prison. My little brother was in prison. My grandmother was my last legal guardian. was in a nursing home suffering from Alzheimer's disease. My oldest brother was back there in Denver involved in gangs. My oldest sister was back there um, in Denver, um, involved in crack cocaine on the streets. My second oldest sister was living in foster care in Iowa. Between my junior and senior year of high school, I lived in five different locations. Uh, my little sister lived with my aunt, who had just enough room for her, and six months sleeping on the floor of a family friend. Went off to the University of Minnesota, and it came down to the NFL or um, education. Ended up getting hurt playing football, so I was not going back to that situation. So I turned to education and saw the power um, of a college degree and went on to get four degrees and went on, became a school principal and um, doing some other things to try to inspire people that no matter where you're at in life, that you can make it beyond any of those circumstances. Um, if, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I mean, this does... You can never whine again. This, not ever. This, we have to take a break. And I've never sat with my mouth open like this for right. the first segment. Um it does read like a Hollywood screenplay. I can't, I'm going to be like uh, that announcer. I can't believe what I just heard. Um, but Dr. Watson, you are incredible. And we want to come right back after this break and continue this unbelievable story. So please stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning shared leadership training seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization, regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. 
Thanks for staying with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Dr. Tommy Watson. And Dr. Tommy is a motivational speaker and the author of The Resilience of Champions, Secret Habits of Highly Resilient Individuals and Organizations. And Dr. Watson, I mean, what an amazing story. I know that you summed up your life so quickly, and there's so much there. And Charlie and I were talking a little bit um during the break, but we were also talking before the show when we were going over your bio and, and your story. And one of the things that we were really wondering is how were you able to keep doing even your schoolwork to be able to stay on the team? I mean, you were in the middle of so much chaos. Just that ability to get even schoolwork done must have been really daunting. I mean, how were you able to do that? Absolutely. You know, and that's a great question. You know, one of the things that I, that I experienced when I went out to high school uh, my high school in the suburbs. Well, I, I came across a coach who really cared a great deal about me, and also a teacher in the, in the school who also invested in me heavily. So they 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 helped me live out my vision when my vision wasn't even possible. I didn't. There were times where I didn't see my vision as being possible. But one of the things that they did to help me out and my comrades from inner cities, they allowed us to do a lot of our schoolwork on campus after school, because they knew once we went back to the neighborhood. It was a matter of survival, and the schoolwork wasn't going to be a priority. So having the opportunity to do a lot of our schoolwork after school uh, made a big difference for me. Many times our football practice wouldn't start until anywhere 8 or 7 o'clock in the evening. So by that time, I had a lot of my my schoolwork finished. But mentally, it was very, very difficult to transition from that environment, going back to a place where, you know, I wasn't eating oftentimes, I wasn't getting uh, parental guidance or care. So what kept me driven in those situations was my goal and my ambitions to get to the NFL. And I knew early on that there had never been any NFL player who has gone, who's gone to the NFL without going to college first. So I knew that college had to be part of my destiny to get me to the NFL. And, you know, NFL players have to go um, to college for at least three years. So I, I knew I couldn't just go to a community college. I had to be eligible to leave high school and go to a four-year college. So I worked my butt off around the clock to make sure that, that, well, to strive to make sure that the dream was going to come true. I didn't, it fell short, you know, due to an injury, but, you know, getting the chance to really get out of that environment, go to a four-year university, play major football and um, around the nation was very well worth the time and energy that I put in during the school day and uh, working hard to, you know, stay out of trouble because there were a lot of things that could distract me, a lot of things that could have taken me um, off course and uh, taken my hope away. But having that vision, that dream, to go to the NFL was one thing that really kept me focused, along with the supporting hands of my high school football coach and my teacher, Sister Brendan. Yeah, I mean, it's always that you need to find someone that's in your corner. It, because without that, it's like it's it would be so almost impossible to keep that dream alive. Because you're right. I mean, every day must have just been when you went back home, it was around survival. It wasn't just... Yes hanging out. It was, you had to survive. You didn't have enough to eat. Who knew what was, what danger was around the corner. You had drug addicted parents that were also, you know, doing illegal activity and, and all this, this whole dangerous situation, it must not have even been easy to sleep. Um, so I mean, just all of that is so, it just shows that when you have someone in your corner and you have a dream that that can keep you going and how important it is to give other people that inspiration and those dreams as well, because otherwise you would have turned just like your siblings did. 
Absolutely. Because it would just and be it, so daunting. So daunting. Is, and you know, you hit it on the head even when you, we talked about that. And it's important for us as adults to know that sometimes we have to, we have to stand in the, the gap for a lot of our youth who may not necessarily be dreaming or having that vision for themselves and for them to write off of our vision or our dreams until they get to a place where they can stand up. Because my coach told me over and over again how I could possibly achieve certain things. Early on, it was difficult to see it. But as I began to see his belief in me grow, my belief in myself began to also grow and begin to take shape and take hold in terms of what I could possibly do with the NFL and life beyond with a college degree and what have you. Though, So as adults, sometimes we have to let our kids write off our own vision or even other kids who may be around our kids write the vision that we have for them until their own visions can kind of kick in and take place. Yeah, I can see that because, you know, especially when you're young, you don't always see your own gifts and you don't always acknowledge your own gifts. And so it's so important to have someone mirror that for you so that you can say, oh, yeah, I am worth something. Because there's so many kids out there that just have no hope and no one to give them that hope. And you're right. And and they're all around us. You know, young people are all around us that could just use a little bit of, I love what you said about holding that vision for them because when they don't have it for themselves, just holding that vision for someone is such a huge step because I think a lot of times people feel like, well, the problems are so daunting that, you know, how can I as one person make a difference? Well, this is how you can as one person make a difference. Look around you and see who needs a hand, you know, who just needs you to just hold the vision for them. And I know one of the things that you talk about is, you know, overcoming fear and fear must have just been such a huge part of your everyday life. Um, Yeah. How, how do you overcome fear? Because I know that's even something for me. I mean, um, my story is much, 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 much different from yours. But one of the things that I grew up with was a lot of fear because my parents were survivors of World War II. And it was always around, you know, it was always around survival. Even if everything was okay, it was always around survival. You never know, you know, things could change on a dime. Absolutely. And, you know, so, so what are your, you know, how do you help people kind of overcome fear? Absolutely. You know, there's two ways people are motivated in life. You're you're either motivated by fear or opportunity. And fear usually uh, makes us look look back. So we're kind of running forward, but we're looking back. Opportunity gauges us to look forward and strive for what's in the front, uh, what we're striving for. So fear early on was the thing that drove me when I was thinking about my parents and their drug addiction and the poverty that I came out of. I I was literally like running from that. But it wasn't until I got to high school where I turned around and began to look at what was before me in terms of opportunity. And every time I got a chance to look at those opportunities, I got very, very excited because fear can only, is a short-term motivator. Uh, you, can only, you can only scare people, you can scare yourself to keep going um, for so long when you start talking about fear. But when you start talking about opportunity, that is a great thing to get excited about because opportunities are limitless. And when people are able to see what's before them in terms of possibilities, potential, it's, it's very, very exciting. And... When I shifted to that focus in high school, to be honest with you, it really didn't matter what I was going to be up against because I had a vision and a purpose to see my potential play itself out through sports and through education. So it didn't really matter what was going to take place in my life. Even if the scholarship didn't work out, I was going into the military because I turned around and began to see a new world and a new opportunity for myself, and I wasn't going to stop until I got there. And those are the two ways that people are motivated. 
You know, I love that. And I love what you just said about the difference between fear and then also tapping into your passion because you're right. Fear can motivate you up to a point, but then after a certain point, you burn out. You don't want to do it anymore. You lose the hope because it's just too much. It takes a toll. That's kind of the different, the different kinds of stresses that are on the body. And when you're looking at opportunity and you have passion and you're excited, then that just keeps you going. So even though you still have all that adrenaline going in you, it's in a way that it's, it works for you. It works with you to keep you going. Yeah, that, that's great. And so now when you work with young people, um, how do you, how do you now when you're working with young people, show them that same opportunity that you had? Because I would think that there's still a lot of kids out there that feel like, well, yeah, I mean, you had sports, you were really good in sports, but what about me? I don't have that. Right, absolutely. You know, one of the things I, I usually tell young people, and this is, my message is the same no matter whether I'm talking to uh, young people or uh, corporate folks or, or CEOs, uh, one of the, the, the number one things you have to tend to tap into if you're going to keep yourself motivated is you have to discover and identify what it is that you value. What's important to you? Who's important to you? I know early on when I was a kid, there were times I wanted to give up, and I would think about my grandmother and all the sacrifices that she had made to keep me afloat, and she kept me going many times. And then I also thought about the fact, again, that I I, I knew education was going to be important to me, but also value sports, though. So I tell our young people and people in general to discover your why. What is it that drives you every day? What is it that gets you excited about life? What is it that keeps you going each day? And each of us has something that drives us that's connected to something that we enjoy doing. Oftentimes, kids are told to play sports, but you have kids who are, who love leadership stuff. Yeah, I have, I have a son right now who, who loves science stuff. He has no interest in sports whatsoever. So getting him engaged in the, the area of sciences is something that I continue to do. I tell our young people who are um, doing certain um, activities, even if your parents aren't there to guide you, you're going to have to take the bull by the horns and get yourself involved in things that you enjoy doing. So if it's a uh, piano, if, if it's uh, singing, if it's the scouts, if it's um, just volunteering in the neighborhood, whatever it is that you enjoy doing and value and that's important to you, you got to find you, you got to find ways to get yourself involved. Even in our workplace, oftentimes we hear a lot about <clears throat> how many of our full, um, employees are not engaged in meaningful work. And I, I really challenge a lot of our employees to go back to why you started the job. Why did you seek out that position at that very company? And, and, and really kind of hone in on that, hone in on, the opportunities that have come along with that, with that place of employment and how you can advance yourself. Because I think oftentimes just the, the regular, the, the run-of-the-mill things that take place in life can take us all off course where we begin to value things that other people told us to value and we stray away from the things that are very much important to ourselves. So it all starts with discovering, identifying your why, what's important to you, and, 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 and why you want to do what it is that you want to do. So that's the first place we start. With, with our young people. And then the second place, I talked to them about vision. I mean, it's the reason that companies have vision statements because vision in itself is a powerful tool to take people to a certain, to another place. Um, when I played football for University of Minnesota, we would do, um, we would spend um, the Friday evening before a game, the whole team would get into a room and we would go through these positive mental imagery exercises where we would come up with every scenario that could possibly take place on the football field we would create a positive outcome in every situation. And it was amazing how inspiring that was and got us pumped up to go out on the field. Now, it didn't always work out that way, but you were certainly inspired and prepared 
in the meeting between time when you know with the, when the game started though. But you know, getting people to 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 be inspired about a vision, getting our young people to see possibilities beyond the neighborhoods. You know, we I talked to a lot of young people who are in inner city situations where there's not a lot of there's not a lot of hope around them. There's not a lot of positive things going around them. I tell them, get out of your neighborhood, get on your bike, walk to another neighborhood, take the, the city bus somewhere else, see something different, expose yourself to something different, and begin to ask questions about how people have gotten in certain neighborhoods, how they live in certain homes, what, what's the educational background, what are the professions that they're in. And then once the mind starts hearing questions, the very nature of the mind is on a mission now to come up with answers. So a lot of it has to do with exposure. And then finally I tell our young people and people in general that you you got to become your greatest cheerleader sometimes because oftentimes when we look at the media, I mean, I'm very, very proud of what you guys are doing with your station because many folks around the nation, they're being exposed to negative information all the time. So sometimes you have to become your own best cheerleader and bombard yourself with positive, positive examples, positive imagery, positive words on a regular basis to go after your goals and dreams, and then don't stop, don't stop until you achieve them. No, I love that, right? I mean, it's it's all right there. It's all that introspection. It's introspection with going outside of your current situation. So we're going to hold that thought because we're about to take our second break, but we'll talk more about that when we get back from the break. Stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Dr. Tommy Watson. We'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on TalkZone. Welcome back, everyone. This is segment three, um, and we are in unbelievable awe of our special guest um, this week, Dr. Tommy Watson, and you could learn more about Dr. Watson at his website is www.tawatson.com. That's www.tawatson.com. There's books, there's stuff, there's everything you need to know to go and um, ask him to be your teammate. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, you're you're just unbelievable. I mean, listening to what you're saying is just uh, it's everything that um, we believe in and try and say ourselves. Um, I had to, you know, you talk about your first few years of life, Dr. Watson, and then you fast forwarded to seventh grade and then had some issues It almost sounded as if. Um, they were easy for you because you've been through so much. Every time it seemed like you hit some unbelievable roadblock, it almost seemed like 
well, I've, I've been there before. I know what to do. I'll get through this one too. Um, you know, somewhere, I mean, and, you know, I know everything you were saying about the whys and the, and the visions and the opportunity, but somewhere during your childhood, when your head hit the pillow, something must have happened for you to find that hope. Right. I mean, I know you said you were able to make the shift, but I'm, I'm just taught to believe. Right. How does that happen? Because um, you're talking about 365 days a year, every night, every night, every night, every night, every night. And that I see where the word resilience comes from in your story. Um, so I was just wondering if that's something you remember at all, like when your head hit the pillow, what were some of the thoughts in your head? Sure. And, you know, Charlie, you, that's a great question. And you, you mentioned the word hope. Um, I think that is one of the most powerful words in our, in our vocabulary. It's a word that's kind of overlooked sometimes. And I've kind of taken on the acronym having only positive expectations. And we start talking about hope. There, there, there's two components of hope. Uh, one is willpower. So a person has to have some type of internal drive. My grandmother used to say, well, you got to have some want to about yourself. you got to want to do something. So there has to be this internal drive. But the other piece that we often miss when it comes to hope is a word that's called way power. So willpower is the first set part of it. Way power is the second part of it. Way power simply means now finding direction on where it is you're trying to get to because willpower will get you in the game, but way power keeps you in the game. So what I began to do at an early age, every time I came across someone who I even thought was successful, like I mentioned before, my, my parents were drug addicts and shoplifters. And one of the things that they would do oftentimes, they would steal items from high-priced stores, and then they would sell them to business people in the community. And I would watch these business people. I would watch how they dressed. I would watch the cars they drove. I would watch um, how they, I would, you know, get a glimpse of how they smelled. And there was a piece mm -hmm. of me that really admired them as individuals because they, they dressed nice. Even though they were engaged in, you know, some illegal activities, I, it gave me a vision and a possibility of what was out there for me in the future. So I began to admire that look. I began to admire the entrepreneurial spirit in them. Um, and then in the area of sports, there was a guy that I began to adopt a lot of behaviors after, uh, Barry Sanders. I don't know if you guys remember Barry Sanders. Mm -hmm. He used to play with Detroit. Mm -hmm. He was a guy I followed a lot in high school. And so when you start talking about weight power, you have to start figuring out what are the behaviors, the steps to get to where it is I want to get to, even whether you're talking about employees or um, corporations, individual um, uh, uh, employees have to have steps in terms of how to how to do the job they do to be successful at it. So I began to to have those keep those visions in my I kept those visions in my head each and every time that I went to sleep at night that I was going to go to the NFL. That I was going to you know make my my life different and I was going to provide a better uh, living for my future family and that kept me going. And again, having those visions of individuals who looked you know, you know, pretty successful in the community, and then having you know visions of other uh, guys doing what I want to do kept me driven, kept me focused. <laughs> That's funny, you know. In, in my book, I had said when I first started to work, Dr. Watson, my family was in the uh, junk business. Uh, I never seen so many clean adults when I worked in the corporate <laughs> world for the first time at 19 <laughs> years old. It was shocking to me. I said, wow. grown men coming to work clean. I mean. <laughs> How embarrassing that must be, but I didn't realize that that was good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, that is you know, with me, I always say 
you have to have, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess referring to the workplace, um, at least as a start, the willingness to be influenced. Yes. But in your case, um, as a young child, it's almost as if, right, you were the coach all the while because it's almost as if you said, hmm, I got to have the willingness to be influenced. Well, I can go down this path. No, no, I got this. I got this. I'm going to control my influence. I'm not going to be influenced here. I'm going to, I'm going to have the acronym to your hope, like you said, um, only it wasn't born yet, right? I mean, it's almost like right. you had some sort of guidance and power to direct you. It's just unbelievable, right? And yeah. It just doesn't. Um, have, have so, yeah. Family, uh, right? Definitely praying family that was looking over me, absolutely. But, you know, you know, I'm, I was often asked, I'm often asked when I go speak places, was I a leader when I was coming up as a kid? And to be honest, I can't necessarily say, necessarily say that I was a leader, but at the same time, I, I would definitely tell you that I was not a follower. So oftentimes I was either leading myself or my little brother, um, but oftentimes, I, you know, the, the troops weren't, weren't rallying around me and following what I was doing. So um, in, the, in, in the endeavor to go after your goals and dreams, you know, you have to be willing to step out there and be that lone eagle, eagle sometimes and, and be okay with that. Because oftentimes we talk about leadership, you know, when we talk about leadership, we often think or see images of all these folks kind of rallying around one individual. Well, you know, sometimes leadership is simply stepping out on what you believe and proceeding forward no matter what the odds are against you. Right, so, and you know, uh, we call it the L word because um, I look at what leadership has done in the corporate world. It just seems like the angrier the bully can be, the more yes. he's looked upon as a leader. Um, and I think in your case, and I agree, um, you lead with your behavior Yes. Well, lead with vision and lead with hope. Lead with vision and lead with hope. Yeah. The benefit of that, and I've learned something here, right, is that um, you don't develop that sense of entitlement. You don't develop yeah. that nose in the air, I am a leader, when you uh, lead as a teammate, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think that's priceless. Absolutely. You know, in fact, um, I was speaking to another interview this morning. We were talking to salespeople, and we were talking about how today's generation, uh, once they come encounter with the word no, how it petrifies them. And, and, and oftentimes they stop, and they don't continue forward. And the acronym that I use for the word no is next opportunity. <laughs> so whenever you hear the word no, think about next opportunity. Keep yourself going. Don't stop. Keep going. And in fact, you want to get as many no's as you possibly can, as soon as you possibly can, to make yourself more resilient and prepare yourself for that yes later on in life. So, you know, oftentimes in the workplace we hear no, whether it be for an advancement, no for a raise or what have you, and we immediately stop and we go backwards versus looking at next opportunity, looking at other ways to present the information, other ways to do some things differently, other ways to get some other skill sets to advance yourself and move forward. Not letting no be the stopping point is uh, a detriment that many people face in the workplace and in life as well. You know, um, I agree. And what you said earlier about it's the same message, whether you're speaking to corporate or to young kids, it's so true. It's the same message. And you're so right about the workplace. 
we chose to work for these companies. So why did we choose to work there? So let's go back to that and start from there if we need to. What can you do today to help this company? I mean, it's the same message you would give us a student uh, in high school or even junior high or even elementary school. Um, It just seems like as we got older, we may have lost our way. We need that. We need to go back to that way power. Right. Yeah. We got yeah. we got into the war, into the career, but we need that way power because um, it's getting a little stale, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you know, when I went, when I got fired from one of my jobs outside of my first job out of college, I went to work for McDonald's Corporation, and initially people were criticizing me. Say, you have a college degree, why are you going to work at McDonald's? Why are you going to McDonald's? But my my boss at the time was very intentional about telling me about the leadership skills that I was going to gain by participating in McDonald's Global Management Training Program. Mm-hmm. And that became my why. And I became so fired up, so um, inspired every day to go into that restaurant and uh, cultivate relationships with my employees. I was mopping floors. I was cleaning toilets. I was learning Spanish. I was doing all these things with a great sense of purpose because I understood later on where it was going to take me to in terms of gaining leadership skills. That's almost like and, what you were doing with, this, with the scholarship. It's that same motivation. Yes, mm-hmm. right? yes Absolutely. And that goes back to that, that the piece we, we talked to earlier, Eve, about having that vision. We got to have vision in every aspect of everything we do, whether it be from childhood to adulthood. And, you know, it, it seems unfair sometimes when I go into schools and I tell, you know, younger kids in elementary school that you got to have a vision or a plan for your life, even as a third or fourth or fifth grader. But the reality is if, if the vision that's being shaped for them is, is a negative vision, unless they become proactive about doing something positive, they're going to find their way living out the vision of the streets. So they have to take it upon themselves to get themselves involved in positive things, hang around positive friends, uh, cheer themselves on, and, 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 and as such. Because if they don't, it becomes very, very easy to do the other things. One of the things you said earlier really left a mark. <laughs> and um, it can only be executed if there's true inspiration behind it when you said um sometimes the message might be you need to leave the community you need to take a bus into the next community i thought that was a huge huge point yes you know how much courage that requires Mm -hmm. and knowing you know and I, i don't mean to make light here but you know I, I would say I can do this now because yes. my guy is in my corner and I know how to contact him. And I'll, I'll say, you know, I would be so inspired by you that I'd say, I'm on the corner of Fifth and Elm and I need some guidance, you know. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so uh, that's what we need. We need to inspire. Come on out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yes. No, it's a huge point because, I mean, if you look back, I mean, there's there's neighborhoods. What did my mom say over the weekend that she came to this country 66 years ago? There were neighborhoods where people had been here for 50 years and still didn't know how to speak English because they were so insulated within their own neighborhood. Yeah. And I think that it's important for everyone, regardless of your background, to actually get out and see how other people live. Yeah, but, yeah, but for a youngster, it's, a, it's really, it's really uh, right. uh, incredible advice. I don't mean to uh, stop here. 
uh, because I'm really charged up. But we have to take our final break, so please stay with us. We'll be right back with more with Dr. Watson. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on talkzone.com. Wow, another fast hour, huh, Charles? Unbelievable. Yeah, we're already into segment four. Um, this is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Dr. Tommy Watson. You can learn more about Dr. Watson at his website at tawatson.com, and you can also see his book there, The Resilience of Champions, Secret Habits of Highly Resilient Individuals and Organizations. So I have a couple of questions for you, Dr. Watson, because I know that this is that this is an issue that people come up against. When you were trying to change your life and you had this vision for yourself, and this vision was extremely different from anything that anyone in your family and probably in your immediate neighborhood even had, did you get a lot of pushback from people on that? Oh, you know, that's that a great question. And, in fact, you know, many I got pushback from people in my neighborhood Mm-hmm. And at the school, the school that I went to, um, many of the students there were afraid of me because they were seeing my neighborhood on the news. So I had to really get a, get a hold and get a connection with at least one other person. And for us to buy into pushing each other to go on to achieve that goal and dream. Because again, even in the workplace, when there's, when there's a vision that's different from the status quo, people certainly receive flack from doing that. So, you know, it's, it's great to link up with another person, stay true to what it is that drives you, your why and keep going forward. So I had to keep going forward despite the criticism from both places. Yeah, and I think that's a huge lesson because people that are innovators and leaders are typically not always the ones that everyone wants to follow initially. I mean, you you guys are the ones that are doing something different, and it scares the other people around you. Even if the – even if – What's happening with the other people in your immediate family or in your neighborhood isn't working for them. Doing sure. something different is too scary because then that means that they may have to shift. So, right. I mean, what an inspiration you are to others to show that, yes, you can do this, but here I can show you how to do it. And, yeah, it's not always that easy, but it is doable. Um, Absolutely. You know, I actually had another question for you, though, too. So you grew up in this really, really chaotic environment, and you're always pushing, always striving, always holding your vision, always moving forward. When you finally started to achieve success, when you started getting your degrees, when you got work that you enjoyed, then you started making money, do you have a hard time relaxing? (laughs) You know, my kids would say I do. (laughs) You know, the, the funny thing is, uh, I do work that I love. I love what I do. So sometimes I have to be very, very deliberate about pulling myself out of the space and just actually just having some quiet time for myself. You know, that's one of the things you run into when you, you do what you what you love doing. 
And about six years ago, I walked away from um, a, a position where I was making $120,000 a year to go to zero um, to strive for what I wanted to do in life. And I felt a strong calling to just inspire people and motivate people to be better. That's all I wanted to do. I wasn't into chasing money or anything like that. And I'm blessed to be able to do that six years later to continue that work. But I, I certainly have to be very, very deliberate about shutting things off and pulling back and having that quiet time. Because when, you, when you're immersed in your calling and you love what you do so much, uh, you can certainly find yourself being inundated in it oftentimes and you're not even aware of it. So uh, definitely it helps to have people around you who can call you on the carpet and say, hey, we need, we need to take a break here, time out. Um, or, or to have that self-monitoring device to, you know, say, hey, I need time. I need to go take a vacation, do something different, though. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think the key is is that you do something that you love. Because what I've found, and I include myself in this, too, is that sometimes if things start getting to be too good, we tend to self-sabotage. And I'm wondering yeah. if you ever found that the, the, any self-sabotage in the way you've been in the past. Um, you know what? I, I have not necessarily engaged in self-sabotage because I'm, I'm at a place where, um, like, people keep asking me, they say, you know, what if your business just crashed and burned tomorrow? I said, hey, I'm still I'm still excited because I jumped out there and I tried it. You'd be oh, like, is work. that all you got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go jump yeah. in another job for 30 days and I'm back at it again because I found my why, you know? And once yeah. you find your why in life, nothing can stop you. You know, you may have to you may have to take a couple of detours here and there, but you'll stay on that path, striving to that place of peace because it gives me peace to to do the work that I'm doing, and I can't see myself doing anything different. Yeah, and uh, you know, we we're inspired by this personally and selfishly, right? Because we took a similar path a few years back, where we left our um, workplace cushy hard working but cushy I say cushy because when we got paid the check cleared without a doubt right. <laughs> um, position went to zero and uh, we're doing what we are passionate about you know trying to make right. a difference as best we can and sometimes we get overwhelmed that we need to be reset and you know uh, people like you especially you give us a little inspiration to continue which is great so if nothing else you you helped us today well and it's always so inspiring because i would think that with the background that you came from it's like any time that there's any kind of difficulty it's not to say that there aren't really difficult challenges that you face and other people face but you you overcame so many huge challenges that I would think that most challenges for you are just like so. That's what I mean. Like that's you the big deal. Yeah. <laughs> World peace. You know, going, are you kidding me? Absolutely. You know, going through the growing up through the situation that I grew up in, and this is a piece of advice I give other people as well. When we're going through tough times, find the one thing that's going well. So even as I'm going through tough times today, if I'm going through a tough time, I will seek out and find the one thing that's going well and hold on to that one thing because we're kind of conditioned sometimes to hone in on the problems and we miss. Yeah. Them. One thing that's yep. going well. So find that one thing uh, that's going well that keeps you motivated, keeps you fired up, and keeps you inspired, and keeps you resilient. What I like is um, some of the questions that we may have had have been answered just in normal conversation with Dr. Watson. I agree 100% with everything that you say. What I really think is cool um, with the corporate world is, you know, when you have the ability to inspire, you could conquer the world. 
But that aside, right, you could look them in the eye because you work just as hard. I mean, you know, with school and education, you match every CEO out there um, with the amount of books that you read in your life and, and everything else. I mean, it's so many different facets of life you manage to master. It's unbelievable, right? Yes. You know, I wanted to take, we have about, I don't know, two, three minutes left. I wanted to take a little bit of time and at least touch on the book and like what people can expect if they get the book. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, one of the things I've been asked over and over, over the years was what did I learn from my experiences? And so what I did was I developed six habits that highly resilient individuals uh, display. And these habits are, are relevant to individuals and organizations as well. But I also did a celebrity piece in there where I also um, took the lives of Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, um, Ray Kroc, founder of McDonald's, um, Mary Kay Ash as well, and, and, and detailed how their lives also complemented these six habits as well. And I'm a firm believer that if we can implement these six habits in our lives every day, I, be, I believe really resiliency is a learned behavior. It's not something that people are born with and some, someone's more special with, that we can adopt these habits and behaviors it would make us more resilient in the workplace and in, in our personal lives as well. Um, because, you know, simply starting off, you know, with being a person who can be hopeful. It sounds very, very small, but hope, again, is a big piece of the pie for organizations and individuals to be successful. Uh, having a vision um, is another thing, though. So they can certainly uh, couple that with stories from Oprah and, and others. And also there's a, a research component as well with each chapter to back up the fact that that habit is a habit that um, is adoptable in the workplace or even as an individual. So I hope it's a it's very inspiring read, and it gives my own personal journey of going from being fired before going to McDonald's Corporation and then my path and journey through McDonald's to become their um, leadership award winner as well. Yeah, so I would bet that your book proves the theories and everything that you're saying and, and the greatness in others. Um, but, uh, again, selfishly, I just like to hear the general conversation that we have because it just seems so inspiring as well, mm -hmm. you know. Um, well, Dr. Watson, this was a great show, and thank you so much. I wish we had another hour because I know that we still have a lot more to talk about. But thank you so much for sharing your story and all of your great tips and inspiration for our listeners. Hey, thank you guys very much, and hopefully you'll have me back as well. And uh, uh, best of luck to you guys, Charlie and Eva. And um, we'd like to offer you guys, uh, your, your, your listeners, a free gift. If they go to my website, they can certainly get the first chapter of my book um, for free. If they go to my website, www.tawatson.com. And, again, hopefully I'll come back, and you guys have been a huge inspiration to myself and others as well. So keep up the work you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. And you, you, can, you can come back whenever you like, and we will – Definitely reach out. This was a, a great meeting, and uh, you're a great person, and we loved having you. Thank you very much. Take care. Have a great day. Thanks. Rest of the day. Yeah, I mean, I'm in awe. Uh, I'm in awe. No, it was a terrific show, and he's he's so inspirational. And, I mean, there were so many great takeaways, like the why, the vision, the moving outside of your comfort the zone and seeing work. how others, you know, live. Day to day hard work. Your head hits the pillow. Get up and... And then to turn it into college, it doesn't no, make sense. Terrific. 
And again, you can learn more about Dr. Watson at his website at tawatson.com. And the book is The Resilience of Champions. It should have been The Resilience of a Champion. Yes. So thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. And have a great week. This is Corporate Talk Bye. with Charlie and Eva.